Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? It's Power Rankings Podcast, aka the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I'm joined as always, pleased to be joined by the, uh, I, I guess, the effervescent uh, football analyst, my friend, a guy who absolutely could care less when I start talking about NFL history at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hello, sir. Hello, Elliot. We were going to do this podcast tonight, maybe touch on the Thursday night game a little bit and then talk uh, some more week three stuff, but I... I think we're going to do the whole show on Steelers-Browns. Well, you know, we don't know what kind of game we're going to get on Thursday night. We weren't expecting a great game. This was a pretty good game. I give it a, I give it a B, B+. Plus. Um, there were some exciting moments in this game. It was competitive. Um, it was nice to see the Browns get a win. I think the first thing that just pops out to me, Marcus, is um, you got to hand it Jacoby, to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, maybe not big numbers, but played a really solid game tonight. Uh, so first and foremost, this game bummed me out more than anything else. Do you want to know why it bummed me out? <laughs> so nothing on Jacoby. <laughs> I'll get there. No, no, no. I, I'm going to tell you. This is going to get right to Jacoby. I feel the curtains you know, you know back why this game bummed me out? Yeah, Listen. Go ahead. Not only do I not care out. about your NFL history, I don't care about your Jacoby Listen, percent I'm getting there. This game bummed me out. Because Jacoby Brissett should be 3-0 as a starter for Cleveland. Yep. He's played awesome for the Browns in the first three games. And he was great against the Jets. It's just, it sucks that the Browns haven't started out 3-0 because the defense was so bad against the Jets. But yeah, to your point, Brissett's exactly, exactly what the Cleveland Browns needed during this kind of transition period, right? They just needed somebody who could run the offense, keep the chains moving, don't turn the ball over and be an adult, right? Like be an actual leader that the, the teammates love. It's perfect. Be an adult. I got to tell you, I was kind of bummed. I, I was like, man, when Case Keenum left, I thought Case Keenum did a nice job for them last year. Remember he had that game against mm-hmm. the Broncos. I think that was a Thursday night it, game. It was early a week, in the year. Week three Thursday night game. Yep. And then he had that game against the Raiders, which was a Monday night game, I think, where they didn't have like 20 guys. That was Nick Mullins that started that game. Well, that was Nick Mullins. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Former 49er. Great. Nick Mullins. But uh, I've told you before, I think Keenum, Colt McCoy, those are two of the better backups in the league that kind of remind me of each other. Uh, Keenum, I think, played at Houston. Colt McCoy played at Texas. Mm-hmm. But you're the you're the college guy. Um, Jacoby Brissett. I wasn't as excited about uh, the Bills obviously got Keatum. He played the other night in mop-up duty. But Brissett was tasked with something pretty big this year. You know, unlike Keenum, who had to play last year, he was playing last year because Baker Mayfield had the bum shoulder. Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield had like three injuries going last year. This year, you knew that Jacoby Brissett was going to have to win a certain number of games. 
So now that we know that that's a lot more than six games because of Deshaun Watson's suspension, how comfortable are you thinking that, hey, maybe the Browns can go six and five with Jacoby Brissett or, or what have you? So here's the thing. What what do you think the number of wins needs to be for the Browns to feel like we still have a chance in the AFC by the time Deshaun Watson gets back? Like six is probably the right number, right? I'd say five. Five, okay. That's why the Jets game bums me out because if you're three yeah. and oh already, you look at the rest of the schedule. Like there's some tough games coming up, but they play Atlanta next week in Atlanta on 10 days rest. They should win that game. They play the Chargers at home. That's a tough one. They played New England at home. I don't think New England's all that scary anymore, right? The and Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens, the Browns. Uh, and then, you know, they've got a couple ga- tough games. Wait, against, the Browns, they play themselves? Oh, sorry. The the Ravens, the Bengals, the Bengals, Dolphins. Yeah. And then they've got two really hard ones at the Bills, home against the Bucks. But, I mean, if you win three more of those games, which you very well could with Brissett, I think you're still in it. Really quickly, you, you mentioned Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. When the when the Browns first signed Brissett, I hated the sign. I just didn't think he was a great fit Kevin Stefanski's offense. But you know what? He's really good for a couple of different reasons. Number one, he's got the arm strength to kind of cut through the wind. And we saw it tonight. Like even on mm-hmm. some like eight-yard dig routes and comeback routes. He's got no problem driving the ball to the sideline. You need to have some smoke on some of those throws. Some of them, yeah. And then the other thing that's very underrated is when this team gets in third and one, which they're in a lot because the running game is really good, Brissett's an awesome quarterback. The quarterback sneaks. He converted three of them tonight just to keep drives going. That kind of stuff matters, especially on a team like this. Yeah, but even on like an eight-yard route that's outside the numbers, kind of remember that football field's 52 yards wide. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're throwing from the opposite hash, you're probably throwing what, Marcus, like 28 yards across the field and eight Round yards yep. down the field. You got to have some smoke on that ball. Yep. And um, this is a team that's had a really hard time beating the Steelers. I think Ben Roethlisberger's record against Cleveland was like, was it 25 and two or it was something ridiculous. Two and one? Ben just something. didn't lose to the Browns very often. Yeah. And you guys are on a first name basis, but yeah. Um, you know, I we spent I a lot at, of time together. <laughs> yeah. I I'm with you on the Jets outcome. Um it just bumps me out. That's all. Yeah, I know I get it. I get it. And I, I would say this we saw we saw the Cleveland Browns that you're kind of expecting them to be outside of Jacoby Brissett. Their defense played pretty well. That's what they were supposed to do coming into the year. Especially in the second was, half. Especially yes. in the second half. And this was supposed to be a power football team. Mm-hmm. They ran for, I think, a buck 71 tonight on the ground. I need to check the box score on You're that. Right. But, yep. um, and it wasn't just Chubb and it wasn't just Hunt. Hunt had some really physical runs in this game. And then I just love the way Chubb plays. It's kind of weird, by the way, watching him in the dot, you know, behind the quarterback. Chubb looks like he's just kind of relaxing, like he's watching, you know, mm-hmm. Jaws 2, and then he gets the handoff. Or maybe Jaws 3, which was in 3D. Sorry. Uh, Jaws 3 really sucked. Can I also mention, just really quickly, I thought this was maybe David Njoku's best game of his career. All right, we got to talk about David Njoku. He was really good in this game. You're an unabashed David Njoku fan. He made some plays in this game. And then when they really needed a play inside the five, 
he dropped it. And I was like, Marcus, dang it. And I was about to hammer you for your David and Joku unprofessed. I think he's a top five tight end love, which he's not. He's not. But, but I want to give him a lot of credit because late in the game, when they had that inside run and they were measuring and they ended up taking away the first down mm-hmm. from Cleveland, one of Cleveland's linemen kept jawing and it was in Joku who reached his arm out and kind of pulled him like a horse collar, you know, yeah, behind. Yeah, did yep. you see this? Yep, I He's did. like, yeah. And then he kind of patted him. He's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But shut up. Let's not get a penalty. Quit jawing with the refs. You know, all we want is a spot here in the first down. I was like, you know what? That's leadership. That's a, what's in Joku? Did he come out in 18 or 19? 18, uh, right? 17. 17. 17. Golly. He's already in a sixth year. Uh, I thought he came out in 18. That's a veteran move, you know? And so to me, in a weird way, that kind of made up for the drop. Is that a weird comment? Yeah. No, no, it's not weird. Um, So he had 10 targets tonight. He caught nine of them, the one that you're referring to right at the goal line, but nine for 89 and a touchdown. And if you go back and rewatch that game, he was awesome as a blocker in the run game. And I think that's what I like about him so much is he can be a, a dynamic threat as a receiver, but he's not one of these Travis Kelsey tight ends that just has no interest in blocking. He has no problem mixing it up with defensive ends and linebackers. There aren't like, that many of these guys left. No, he's he, he would he just had a really good game. I mean, with Gronk out of the league now, how many guys like that do you have left? Hurst, you know, a, a few other guys. Kittle, but he's always banged up, be, partly yep. because of that style. Um, yep. Anything else on the Browns before we move on to the Steelers? Well, I thought the defense showed up when it had to. Um, really great play. Uh, who's number 50? I'm trying to remember. The Browns linebacker made a great play in coverage. Yeah, Jacob Phillips in the um, late stages there had that deflection. I think it was the third down. It forced mm-hmm. a fourth, and uh, Pittsburgh was not able to get it. Um, we should mention both their linebackers, Jacob Phillips and Taki Taki, who had to play at the entire second half because they lost – Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Usukoromora uh, in the first half. And those guys were awesome the first two games of the season. So those linebackers played extremely well in the second half. Do you think when he went to like movies when he was in high school, like one of his friends, like it's really hard to go to the movies with you. You're just all talky talky. Probably Can't not. I'm hoping his friends are cooler than that. <laughs> this is called Luffy late night. It's fine. Dad humor. Uh, okay, let's switch over to Pittsburgh. A couple things I noticed. I felt like Pittsburgh had a real chance to take control in this game. One, they had a little something going uh, right before halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the third quarter, they had it going again. And then this team just kind of sputtered in the, what, around the late third quarter. And the defense, I was listening to Sirius Radio on the way home, and it was talking about the defense looked gassed in the fourth quarter. And I agree with that. And this is an area, man, where when you have veteran players and a team is able to hammer two running backs at you, it's tough. You got to rotate guys in there. I thought the team missed TJ Watt. Uh, Am I missing anything here? No, I would just say this is what Pittsburgh's offense has done now in three straight weeks. Like they can have a couple drives in the first half that look good, but in the second half, they really struggle. I'll, I'll read you their drives. Um, from ESPN right out of halftime they got the ball 10 plays 38 yards punt three plays seven yards punt three plays negative five yards punt three plays four yards punt 
Then they had a field goal, a seven-play, 53-yard field goal drive to cut it to six. And then, obviously, the last play of the game, which was the defensive touchdown. Like, they were struggling even to get first downs in the second half, and it really started to wear on their their defense. Well, the right before halftime, they didn't have a chance to get some points. Yes. Uh, they they were completion. at about the 40-ish yard line. Yep. And then uh, you mentioned the first drive of the third quarter, the 10-play, 38-yard uh, drive. They, they got a little something going and then sputtered. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I know that I, I really try to be careful with this, and I always come in with the old school, but sometimes, Marcus, it's really nice to see a team run two backs at you effectively and wear you out. And it works when you're playing against a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, it can work because Mitch Trubisky needs volume, like more drives to make something happen. And if you limit those possessions, he's just not the kind of quarterback that's going to make you pay on three out of four possessions. Yeah. I mean, I think in this game, and this has nothing to do really with the quality of Jacoby Brissett, but I felt like every time Brissett dropped back to pass, it was a win for the Steelers, right? Because mm-hmm. I thought they were just blowing Pittsburgh off, off the, the line of scrimmage. But yeah. because they were so committed to the run, it did allow them for some you know big pop plays in the passing game. They had a long reception to Amari Cooper in the second half that set up a field goal. They had another one down the sideline. Um, I, I, I thought Kevin Stefanski in the second half – Play, called a really, really good game. I know that there were some trade offers for Madison for the Vikings, and he and Cook are considered a pretty good duo. A lot of people like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard because they do different things. I would say uh, Aaron Jones and and um, AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon are are definitely one of the best duos. But could you make a case that Chubb and Hunt are the number one duo in the league right now? Oh yeah, I think they've been that way for a couple of years now. Yeah, I. I they're impressive. I think, you know, I mean, Hunt ran with some real physicality. And I just felt like Pittsburgh, you know, by the fourth quarter, they had just had enough. And I think you put it best there by saying once Jacoby Brissett started dropping back in the second half, that was a good thing if you were a Steelers fan. You're mm-hmm. like, great, throw the ball. But you know what? Brissett made some plays in the first half, threw a couple touchdown passes. Um, I'm still, you know, I wouldn't come out of this game, though, as a Steelers fan being overly concerned. I don't think any Steelers fan thought that this was a 10-win team uh, coming out of camp. I think what people were hoping for is they could somehow string eight or nine wins together and maybe make the seventh seed, kind of like last year. I don't know that anything about tonight's game really changed that for me. It's a road division game. The Browns' backup quarterback played very, very well. And this is a defense that got embarrassed last week by Joe Flacco. I just had a feeling Cleveland was going to come out and win this game. I predicted them to win. Mm-hmm. What's tough about the Steeler expectations is they've put a lot of money into this team, and they're playing a lot of guys in like one-year deals, older mm-hmm. veterans, to try to be competitive this year. Like going out and signing a Miles Jack who looked kind of washed up in Jacksonville and signing a Larry Openjoya to a big contract and signing James Daniels and signing Levi Wallace. Like if you are a rebuilding team, I don't think you make those type of moves in free agency. I don't think you draft a running back in the first round a year ago if you're in a rebuild mode. So I'm not quite sure what the goal is here for Pittsburgh. 
Well, um, I mean, we're talking about franchise building and down the road there. I was really just more thinking, you know, what are they going to do this year? You actually predicted Pittsburgh to sneak in and get that seventh spot based on a lot of different factors. Mm-hmm. I still don't think that was a wild prediction. I, I do think and they still might do that. They, they've, they've been in every one of these games, right? They could have won last week. I mean, oh, they, they really had a poor showing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, against the Patriots at home. Now they've got a little bit of a uh, a tough road. They're one and two, and they've played some very, very winnable games. This AFC North, though, just in general, since we're talking Pittsburgh and Cleveland, not as strong as I thought it was going to be. No, and we talked about this a little bit last week. The AFC North might not be very good. I mean, it's certainly better than the AFC South because I think all four teams are at least competent where I can't say that about the AFC South, but there just might not be a team in this division that's going deep into the playoffs, right? They might all just be kind of the same caliber. Uh, But really quickly, Mike Tomlin, some of his coaching decisions tonight were very interesting. Um, He had a punt in the first half. uh, Excuse me, it it was right after halftime where he punted on fourth and one from the mm-hmm. 42-yard line of Cleveland. He punted the ball fourth and one from his own 10-yard line with four minutes left. It really feel, felt like Tomlin was just trying to keep this game as close as possible. And I think the problem is when you when you do that strategy and you try to win all these close one-score games, it's too hard to repeat that. Like they won, oh, was it like 10 games last year by one score or by mm-hmm. a touchdown or less? Mm-hmm. I just don't know if that's the best way to try to play football. Yeah, I was actually more surprised by the fourth down punt late in the game, deep in their own territory, than by punting from Cleveland's 42. Now, sure. I know that sounds weird, but think about it. You're playing a backup quarterback on a team that you have owned. Yeah, And you're trusting your defense and team at that point in the game. You don't realize that you, it's really easy, I guess, for us to retrofit what we've seen the whole game to the whole, uh, all the situations hmm. in the second quarter. Wasn't that when the, uh, the first one was from uh, the Cleveland 42 uh, either late first, early second quarter. Yeah. yeah. You don't know that Jacoby Brissett's going to have the kind of efficient game that he had at that point. Um, yeah. He's looked kind of nice, but you know, this is a backup quarterback for a reason and you want to trust your defense there and you want to pin them and give your offense a short field again. I'm okay with that. I did think the fourth down decision late in the game, I think there was four minutes and change left at that 426 left. Yep. Yeah. I didn't understand that one. Use Trubisky's mobility. Go get yourself a first down. I get it. Mike Tomlin talks about not living in his fears a lot. Um, but it feels like a lot of times he does with some of these punts and he's just so afraid to go for it uh, on fourth and short, because I think he's so worried of what could happen. I think Tomlin needs to start changing his game calling a little bit and just be a tad bit more aggressive. Who cares if you don't get it and Cleveland gets a touchdown, give yourself at least a chance to go win this game. I think it was on fourth down late. It was either third down late or fourth down late. Uh, Trubisky took the ball, made one read, and he tried to run. He moved to his left because uh, I was just talking about his mobility, and Cleveland spied him. And yeah. uh, the linebacker came up, made a stop. I thought that was great coaching. Um, 
You know, I, I get your point, though, on Pittsburgh trying to win these one-score games and keeping it close, but what are you going to do? They're not the kind of, you know, we talk about organizational culture a lot. And by the way, we're both out on Ravens culture right now. Yeah, we are. Curious. We're out. We talk about it a lot. Pittsburgh's MO is just not to play for four and 12. Well, excuse me, four and 13 now yeah. and get a draft pick, which they, I, I understand, which I get. Like, and I, I kind of respect, man. Yes. I, I, I have no problem with that. The problem is sometimes I think the goal is just to be too like, competitive. And that shouldn't be like you need to be able to take some risks. And I think in the first three games, they've been so conservative with Mitch Trubisky in the way that they've called offense that now it's actually hurting them. Like I would rather see if you're going to lose these games, Elliot, wouldn't you rather lose with Trubisky throwing the ball down the field and taking chances and at least being hyper aggressive on offense rather than, okay, we're going to dink and dunk and never throw it across the middle of the field and run on every first down. We're only going to score 17 points, but hey, that's our plan. Well, I mean, they've got Farmouth. They've they've got they've got a decent receiver core. You and I talked to about uh, receivers today on the phone. Marcus has got a big uh, article coming out next week mm-hmm. about the wide receivers in the league. But um, I think at this point with Najee Harris, you know, if you play fantasy, you know this guy's invaluable because most fantasy leagues you play PPR. And Najee Harris caught about 185 billion balls last year. But here's the thing. He's kind of one of those running backs that you get what's blocked. He's not really shown the ability to hit the home run. Say it, Elliot. Right. You want to say that he's a jag. Go ahead. Say it. <laughs> say it. But <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to stop. I can't tell You're the difference. Between, I can't tell the difference between Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. In fact, I think Jalen Warren might be a little bit more explosive. Yeah, um, I, I get. I really do get what you're saying. I I definitely want to see Pittsburgh take advantage of Mitch Trubisky's mobility. I do think they tried though. I really think he had one read and go on that play, and the Browns spotted it. I mean, they just called mm-hmm. it right. It was a good, great tackle by the linebacker. I think that was Phillips as well. I'm trying to remember who made that. It play. was Phillips, yeah, on the yeah. read option. But yes, but my point is, like, you see a lot of these like super defined plays for Trubisky where hey it's second and six Mm -hmm. we're gonna do a rollout to his right and throw a really safe conservative throw to chase Claypool for five yards to get us in third and short which is fine I get it but ultimately you need to know like can Trubisky elevate this offense at all because they're gonna play better defenses down the road like they're gonna play Buffalo and they're gonna play the Saints and they're gonna play the Eagles I want to know, like, hey, can can he make a third and 13 throw down the seam to Pat Fryermuth when we really need it? They're not even giving him the opportunity to make those throws at this point. I will say this. In order to take chances down the field, and this is an easy thing to forget, even for people that have watched football for a long time. In order to get plays down the field, you have to take deeper drops mm-hmm or hold the ball a little bit longer. Deep your drops is a little bit of an old school term because to be honest with you, a lot of quarterbacks aren't playing under center anymore. So when you say seven-step drop, that's under center. They were taking that. Obviously, it's not the same in the shotgun. Yep. But you're still having to hold the ball until your receiver can get that 15 to 20-yard route. And to be honest, Marcus, this offensive line is probably a bottom, what, seven unit in the league? 
Probably, but I actually thought for the most part they did. They were okay oh, tonight. Yeah, and they and I know Pittsburgh did some things to help. They they kept Najee Harris in the backfield a lot. They kept a tight end, but man, at some point we like their receivers. We like Pat Fryermuth. Like, just give those guys chances down the field. Listen, you maybe resort resort to the old Joe Flacco Baltimore offense where we know we can't sustain long drives. So let's just take three shots down the field. Maybe we'll get lucky and get a pass interference, or maybe somebody will make an awesome catch like George Pickens did tonight. I, I just think that's a better way to play offense than we're going to keep everything super conservative. So Trubisky doesn't throw an interception. So he doesn't take a, a sack and he doesn't make a mistake. I think I saw two big drops by Steelers receivers tonight. I think yes. Deontay Johnson had one. I don't remember who the other one was. It was on kind of a tough catch on the right sideline, but couldn't come up with it. Um, you know, you got to have receivers that consistently make plays. And one of the issues with Claypool is it's been feast or famine with yeah. that guy. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of the Steelers at this point. I think they really needed to win one of these last two games to be two and one, but I'm kind of with you. It's more disappointing to me that Cleveland just imploded last week in the final, what, you know, two minutes. Minute 35 uh, I, or whatever. Just because yeah. we think they, there's a chance that it, when they get Deshaun Watson back in week 12 or whatever week that is, that they could be a legitimate AFC contender, right? Like, I, I think yeah, it would they be. They could win the division. Oh, yeah. And, like, it, how fun would chargers browns be in the first round of the playoffs herbert and watson that's why i want a team like the browns to be in the playoffs because i just think it would make the playoffs fun so you want herbert or what and watson you don't want like uh oh i don't know maybe like brissette and uh <laughs> i was trying I don't to mind brissette but i mean i like i like seeing elite quarterback play and i think that makes these games a lot of fun and I think we, I think we could still get it with the Bengals and the Ravens, but we're kind of out on Ravens culture right now. I don't know. I kind of was hoping for Brissett to a, oh wait, Tua threw for four hundred sixty-eight yards in the fourth quarter. You want Mitch week. versus Tua? I know it. Uh, yeah. Um, these two teams, in terms of long-term outlook. I still think the Browns are and the Steelers both are going to have a hard time uh, because Brissett's got to do this consistently. That's kind of been an issue for him in his career. He's never been a big turnover machine. He's not that kind of guy. It's more a guy that hasn't been able to make the big plays for you down the field. They're going to need that at some point. Uh, teams will load up against the run. And, and let's be honest, the Browns outside receivers, especially outside of uh, uh, Amari Cooper, not great. They still need to. They still need to do something, yeah. you know, um, because as you mentioned, really the star of the Browns' passing game, and that was Njoku. I don't remember how many yards Brissett had passing, but did he even go over two hundred? Yeah, two twenty one. Two twenty one. Okay, but this was a hundred and seventy one yard rushing game. But that's like uh, that's, that's the perfect game script for Cleveland, right? Ab absolutely. But then what what happens when you play a front that's a little bit younger? Yeah. and is a little bit more stout, you're going to have to have your quarterback make plays down the field. Yes. And that's when you've got to have a, a, a WR2 that can make yep. some plays for you. I mean, like, look, uh, three catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. That's a good That's a good game for a WR2, sure. man. That's what they're going to need at some point. If they're going to be a playoff team, 
Uh, and if Cincinnati wins this weekend, which I think they will against the Jets, they're right back in it at one and two with the way things are going in this division. And so I would worry about the Browns and Steelers. Although I will say Pittsburgh does have the head-to-head right now with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And didn't Cleveland own Cincinnati last year? I think the Browns swept them. They did, and the Bengals swept the Ravens. It's just kind of a topsy-turvy division. Let's uh, let's run through the Steelers' schedule really quick, quickly okay. just to kind of see where they're going to be at. Uh, let's do a quick win-loss. Uh, they play home against the Jets, 10-day uh, break. I'll give them a win. Yeah, I will as well. Uh, at, two two? Buff- at Buffalo. Two and three, baby. Home against the Bucks. Two and four, baby. At Miami on Sunday Night Football. Because I think Godwin's going to be back for that. Yeah. Uh, I think we're looking at a big fat two and six. Although for some reason I could see them sneaking a win there. Yeah, that's maybe TJ Watt back for that game. Maybe. Okay, you want to go three and three? Sure. Let's give them that game. Uh, okay. At Philadelphia, I'm going to go three and four. Home against the Saints. Oh, I'll give them a win in case Jameis is still kind of ailing. Four okay. and four. Uh, that the Pittsburgh coming off a bye for that game, so it's fine. Uh. At home against the Bengals on Sunday Night Football. Oh, that's a big game. Don't you think Cincy wins that and they split for the year? Yeah, probably. So we're at four and five. At Indianapolis, Monday Night Football. Gosh, you don't know what to make of Indianapolis. Let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Mike Tomlin football, they're five and five. They're 500. Uh, At the Falcons. Six and five. Home against the Ravens. Six and six at the Panthers. Seven and six home against the Raiders on Christmas Eve, uh, eight 15. Oh gosh. The Raiders have historically done well against the Raiders or uh, against the Steelers. Yeah. I'll let you pick that one. Uh, let's give it, give it to the Raiders. Cause well, they finished up the season at Baltimore home against Cleveland. I think it's eight and nine for Pittsburgh. And that's the thing is we gave them even some games that maybe go not their way, like at Miami home against the saints. I still think eight wins is possible, but that kind of, I think nine is like their ceiling Ellie, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, going to, it's going to be, I mean, that's a pretty brutal stretch in that middle where if, if you lose, like, I mean, I don't want to say this jets game coming up in week four is a must win for them, but it kind of is right. Yeah, I think what would really help them is that the Raiders can continue to stumble because we're not thinking that Pittsburgh is going to win the division. <clears throat> so if the Raiders continue to stumble and then they have that head-to-head matchup late in the year when it would mean something. Yep. And if Cincinnati continues to play like they have or if they're flat against the Jets and they go 0-3, now we're looking at a reality that Pittsburgh, even at 8-9, and could, could get a seventh spot. It's just, is the seventh spot in the AFC going to be... No, it's nothing. It's nothing. But, right. you know, uh, again, organizational culture, you're just not going to see Pittsburgh going 3-14 and, no, and, and, and get and the top way that, pick. And the way that Pittsburgh is historically played, like it wouldn't shock me at all if they lose to the Jets, but then they upset the Bills in Buffalo. Like, it, yeah. you know, we just that's kind of the, the Mike Tomlin thing, right? Like, hey, we'll beat good teams, but we'll lose some bad teams to bad teams at home. So I cannot, th- I cannot think of Pittsburgh playing Buffalo without thinking of the Stevie Johnson game oh, every time. The 2010, I think, deep ball. In his hands. In his hand. Oh, you must have been so furious. I, I was. <laughs> uh, let's pull a football card. Go. 
we going back to the uh, uh it's up to you man you go wow. back to the well you go panini you go whatever you want 70s i don't care uh well i'm, I'm let's, down let's with... get away from the 70s a little bit yeah because you're gonna tell me that the guy looks 55 uh, i i pulled a 1982 <laughs> cleveland brown just a stat card okay well let's look at the 82 brown stat card can you pull it can we see it yeah you can see it. it's right here yeah Okay, so that's Mike Pruitt. Um, hold on, don't let me, don't tell me anything. I don't want to look at the numbers. I don't want to look. Okay, so their leading yardage receiver. I'm going to go Ozzie Newsom. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Mike, Mike Pruitt ran for, I'm going to guess, 543. 516, not bad. Well, this is 1982, so they only played nine games. Yep. Sack leader, I'm going to go Chip Banks. You want to guess how many? Gosh, in nine games. Four and a half. Five and a half. Five and a half. Okay. Interception leaders. This is gonna be this is gonna be really hard. Um these guys were tied. I'm gonna go um Hanford Dixon. That's one. And um it's either Clarence Scott or Lawrence Johnson. I'm gonna go Lawrence Johnson. It is Lawrence Johnson. Wow. Would they have four? They had four. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Uh Brown's record that year. Four and five. Flip it over. And they lost to the Raiders in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they don't have the playoff stuff on here, but yes. Uh, so here's what's ironic about that. Were they four and five? Am I right? Yes. They lost to Dallas on Thanksgiving that year at Texas Stadium. Uh, that's the first Thanksgiving game I ever remember, Marcus. But... One of the earliest games I remember watching, they played Pittsburgh that year, 1982, at Cleveland, what we just saw. And I think the score was 10 to 9. I think Pittsburgh won 10 to 9. It was in the mud. It's one of the first football games I ever watched. I was little, but I remember this game because it was. The Browns won the game 10 to 9. Ah, crap. But it was in the slop. It looked like they were playing in dog turds. Anyway. There you go. That's that's the only card we're pulling today. It's, it's, It's topical with the Browns. Hey, the memory's not bad on the old No, man. not bad at all. I mean, you got the game wrong, but other than that, you were fine. Okay, all right. So I missed <laughs> doggone it. Yeah, they played the that year in 82, man. They played, they called it the Super Bowl tournament. They seeded the two conferences. So eight teams made the playoffs that year. Cleveland was the eighth seed, and they lost to the Raiders to a rookie, Marcus Allen, who you were named after. Mm-hmm. So that's full circle. But with that, I give you the final thought, uh, my friend. I'm so mad that my parlay got ruined on the last play of the game. <laughs> this is in case you didn't know, I had the Steelers teased up to ten and a half. All we needed to do was just to have the the Steelers kneel on the ball or throw the ball out of bounds or have a hail mary picked off. But no, of course they've got to throw a little dump off to Claypool, who gives it to Najee Harris, who runs backwards and fumbles it in his own end zone for a Browns touchdown. I hate. Gambling, I hate sports betting. Nobody should do it. It should be outlawed across the country. I really don't think that should have been a touchdown. Because when the ball was on the ground, the Browns linebacker batted the ball in the end zone. It did not look like he was trying to recover it. It looked like he was trying to hit it in the end zone to me. When he was on the ground, if yeah. you see the replay yeah. of that, and then they recovered it, you're not supposed to be able to knock the ball forward. Uh, that comes from a, a game where that actually happened, where the Raiders' offense kept pushing the ball forward so that they could recover in the end zone uh, and win the game. So yeah. can we just chalk up my teaser as basically a win since it kind of was? 
No. Just let's pretend that we won that one no. because no, we cannot. Why? It's we're getting I mean, out of here. No. Nope. Uh, he's the host of Locked On Cowboys with Landon McCool, and he covers the Raiders for USA Today. And I'm not going to let him gripe anymore. I think it's enough for one night. Uh, you could follow him and follow all of his griping at Marcus underscore Mosher. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys joining us. And uh, like I said, follow him tomorrow. Hear all of his gripes. Uh, take care, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.